Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Chief Zone Podcast. My name is Farzi Vesugian, the host of the Chief Zone Podcast. Appreciate all of you guys downloading and listening to another episode of the podcast. Whether you're a returning listener, a new listener, always greatly appreciated everyone tuning in and making the Chief Zone Podcast part of your day. Shorter episode this time around, not a lot to get into. Uh, as I mentioned in the last episode of the Chief Zone Podcast, this is going to be a bit of a different episode, and I'll get into that in just a moment. Before we get into everything on the podcast, I want to remind you guys, you can interact with me a couple of ways on social media, facebook.com slash farzivazugian, that is my Facebook page, you can like and follow me on Facebook, all of the topics that we discuss on the podcast, or anything else that I post on the Facebook page, you guys can interact with me on there, comment on there, you guys can also follow me on Twitter, chat with me on there, at farzine Twenty One on Twitter, and if you're not on social media, hey, no problem, we do have the email address that you can use, and that is farzine at farzinevesugian.com. Marty McDonald from Save Our Chiefs, the founder of Save Our Chiefs, he will be on the podcast later on in just a moment. One current Chiefs player just accomplished something pretty big in his life. And the NFL needs to promote this. I'll talk about who that player is and what he accomplished. And another NFL player that accomplished something similar. Also, Kansas City might be hosting a big NFL event very soon. We'll talk about what that is in just a moment. Now, as I did mention on the last episode of the Chiefs on Podcast, this is a little bit of a different episode. We're not going to have the closing segments. As a matter of fact, I'm recording this Fairly early, uh, feels kind of weird, uh, like I'm talking into the future, yet you guys are listening to this episode, which happened in the past, uh, but uh, by the time this is out, uh, this podcast will uh, will have happened almost a week ago, so uh, and everyone knows, I mentioned the situation last episode, uh, I'm getting my wisdom teeth pulled, or I guess by the time this podcast is out, they've already been pulled, so not going to be easy, obviously, to do a podcast for the time being, so instead of having the podcast go MIA for a couple of weeks, I decided to record a podcast, uh, and I thought, hey, it'd be good to have a guest on. Marty is the guy who we tried to get during the regular season. Unfortunately, uh, something came up, and we had to push that off and reschedule for another time. I've been trying to get him on for a while, but we've got him for this episode, and uh, a lot to get into. Uh, you guys are going to really enjoy this conversation uh, for those who may not remember or if you need a refresher, uh, Marty McDonald is the guy who was responsible for all of the airplanes that were be- being flown before uh, before Chiefs games at home in 2012, or at least most of the home games, uh, also part of the Blackout Arrowhead. But basically, the big movement that called for the Chiefs to make a change, and he- he's talked about some of this stuff with other media outlets, but not in great detail. And I even talked to him in the past, uh, back when I was writing for Bleacher Report, and there were some things we discussed at the time, but not in great detail. Uh, This is kind of like a tell-all for what Marty did a few years ago. Just kind of a look back at at that situation and how he made an impact on the team, and uh, whether or not he thinks that he had a big hand in the Chiefs uh, making a change with their head coach and general manager at the time, which was Romeo Cornell and... Scott Pioli, and I even give my opinion on that. So there's a lot we talk about with Marty McDonald. Definitely want to catch up with him 
and discuss all of that. And for those who remember that, which I think is kind of a historic moment, obviously not in a positive way, but uh, the things that were done, we've never seen from a sports fan ever. And I think that's definitely something that uh, I wanted to talk talk about with Marty McDonald. I think some people are curious as to some of the details as to how that came about and what the aftermath was, whether or not the Chiefs reached out to him, what they tried to say to him. We get into a lot of things with Marty McDonald on all of that. So he will be joining me on the podcast very shortly. Now, as I mentioned, because this is being recorded a little bit earlier uh, before its intended release date, uh, it's kind of hard to get into certain news topics. So that's a big reason why we are ditching the closing segments for this episode. And on top of that, anything that could be going on with OTAs, uh, that will also, uh, we'll, we'll discuss it for another time. So I'll just leave it at that. I will say some things that we can get into as far as a Chiefs news goes. Uh, Therese Paler, formerly of the Kansas City Star, now with Yahoo Sports earlier, uh, or last month rather, he picked up a big gig with Yahoo Sports. So he's moved on and is doing big things covering the NFL for Yahoo Sports. Very deserving of Therese Paler too. A guy who definitely worked his way up. I remember he was doing the Mizzou beat for the Kansas City Star and then was promoted in covering the Chiefs and now is covering the NFL league-wide for Yahoo Sports. So very deserving of that. And of course, a friend of the podcast. So we're very proud and happy for Therese Paler, he spoke to, I believe it was Peter O'Reilly, the NFL Senior VP of Events, and there were some interesting things discussed regarding whether or not Kansas City is going to host an NFL draft soon. Now, whether Kansas City, and a lot of people are hoping Kansas City gets this because Kansas City, a couple of years ago, they did sacrifice one home game to go overseas and uh, have a game in London. So, uh, and on top of that, they're also, and not that they're sacrificing a home game necessarily, but the travel for all of that can be a bit tedious. Uh, they will be playing in Mexico City uh, against the uh, LA Rams. I was about to say the St. Louis Rams. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, a lot of people are wondering, is Kansas City going to get repaid for that? Because Roger Goodell did at one point talk about rewarding those teams that sacrifice a home game with a Super Bowl. Well, look, with the NFL International Series expanding to uh, Beijing, China, and they're wanting to go uh, have more games in Mexico, at some point you're going to have five, six teams each year that give up a home game. You're not going to be able to reward each of those teams every single year. I mean, you're going to have a very long list, and... It's just going to be impossible to do. So, uh, not exactly sure how the NFL is going to reward those teams, but Kansas City might be rewarded very soon. Now, as it's been reported, the 2019 NFL Draft will be held in Nashville. However, there is some good news for those other finalists that fell short of being able to host the NFL Draft for 2019. Those cities include Kansas City, Las Vegas and Cleveland and Canton, Ohio. Those two cities are kind of tied in together. I think it's going to be one or the other. Uh, And I'll be be honest, I'm not too familiar with uh, those two cities as far as proximity and how far apart they are or if they're very close. But nonetheless, they're tied in together. And Torres spoke to uh, the uh, senior VP of events for the NFL and really what he was insinuating is that it's not a matter of if 
the draft comes to Kansas City, it's when it comes to Kansas City. And Matt Derrick uh, responded to that and mentioned that Union Station, uh, the World War One Memorial, uh, some preferred sites. I asked you guys on the Facebook page, and I thought there was only one logical answer to this, but you guys came up with a lot of possible scenarios, and I want to read those for just a moment here, because I think there could be some interesting candidates, some interesting venues. Uh, somebody wrote a roof over Arrowhead. No, realistically, I don't think that's going to be happening. They voted no on that years ago. Maybe it could be different if they were to bring that up again. Uh, Daniel wrote Memorial Hall. And by the way, the uh, roof comment was written by Matt. Uh, Brandon Royal KC Power and Light District. Uh, okay, I think that's a that's a pretty cool venue. I remember the UFC. They actually did their weigh-ins, the ceremonial weigh-ins at PNL since there was a concert at the Sprint Center. The UFC generally does their weigh-ins the same exact location where the event will take place. They couldn't do it that weekend when they were here in Kansas City because there was a concert on a Friday night. The outdoor weigh-ins looked very cool, though. It it just seemed different, and the vibe was just... It it was pretty big, and it was pretty cool to see how it was done. And I I was curious to see if the UFC would do more of that in the future. They they haven't. uh, Not to say they may never do it again, but nonetheless, uh, they did have it there. Now, for an NFL draft... I'm not exactly sure how that venue would work. That's my biggest concern. Because the NFL networks and the ESPNs and all of these other uh, major networks, uh, Sirius XM's NFL channel, ESPN Radio, um, Fox Sports Radio, I, I mean, all of these national media outlets, they're going to want to have their setup there. And it, it, they also want to be in an area where fans can't necessarily access them easily. So I don't, I, I, Power One Light's a very cool idea. Logistically speaking, I don't know if that would work necessarily. Uh, Michael had a bit of a long comment here. He wrote, KC pitched three possibilities. The Truman Sports Complex, uh, Grand Boulevard, which is PNL, the Midland, the Sprint Center, Bartle Hall, that those areas there. Bartle Hall, uh, I... I I can't remember. I think it was the Municipal Auditorium. I might be mixing it up with. I went there for an MMA event, and I don't know what it's used for uh, much often. I know some of the high schools in the area use it for graduation. Um, my my high school uh, used Kemp Arena, but I think they're changing that to the High V Arena. I'm not exactly sure what it's being named exactly. Maybe that's a place that they could consider. The Sprint Center, sure. I think that's one place that comes to mind. Uh, Michael also commented the Kaufman Center uh, Performing Arts, and I think that's another interesting one, although it's more for formal events. I'm not exactly sure if a place like an NFL draft would make sense because you're going to have a lot of rowdy fans there, uh, a lot of shouting, hooting and hollering, those kinds of things uh, that you'll get there. And I don't think the uh, the people there... At, uh, at Kaufman would want anything like that. Now, he the, the comment also talks about the Truman Sports Complex. Again, I think they want this to be an indoor event. Uh, no, PNL is not an indoor event necessarily, but but they do have a roof uh, that covers most of the area. I don't know about the green room though. I, I don't know if they have if they can house uh, a lot of 
players uh, who are expected to be drafted because that'll uh, the, the rule is might be limited backstage. I don't know. I've never been backstage before for, uh, for an event at PNL. I'm not exactly sure what it looks like, but I would imagine it's not as big. And by the way, the question I had, I actually asked a two-part question. Will you attend an NFL draft in Kansas City? And if so, where do you think it'll be? Most people actually answered the question of where they think it will be. Uh, one person actually answered. Linda said, no, I was in Chicago in 2015 during the uh, during the draft there, and it was crazy. So got one no there. But uh, oh, by the way, Jay said he's in Tennessee, and he will be at the draft next year uh, supporting the Chiefs. So that'll be pretty cool. Uh, for sure. But nonetheless, uh, I want to know from you guys. Will you guys attend the draft? And I'm always willing to hear more responses to this. Where do you think is the best site for the NFL draft in Kansas City? Facebook.com slash Farzin Join in on that conversation. And you guys can also send me a tweet at Farzin21 or email me Farzin at FarzinVesugian.com. All right. The last thing I do want to talk about before we get Marty McDonald on the podcast is something pretty cool uh, regarding one current Chiefs player, uh, offensive guard, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif. We all know about him, the Canadian doctor, and just his his life, how he balances his personal life, his football life, and also uh, his his goals of trying to become a doctor and something that he's very serious about in trying to achieve. Well, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif has graduated... From Montreal's McGill University, becoming the NFL's first active player to hold a medical degree. This is pretty cool. And listen, uh, we, we actually got into this last podcast with the the, the protesting drama, the uh, incidents uh, in which there are former NFL cheerleaders speaking out against the NFL. A lot of bad news with the NFL. And of course, we all know about the plethora of arrests that go on with NFL players. And, look, I'm not blaming the NFL for these things necessarily. I mean, there are certain things they can and can't control. But there's just so much negative news out there. Why not push some of the positive news out there? And, listen, I'll even throw another player in there. J.J. Watt, who I talked about a couple episodes ago, and just what he's doing uh, for the city of Houston and also trying to give the NFL a good name. He also graduated with uh, a similar degree. The NFL needs to promote guys like J.J. Watt. And they've been promoting J.J. Watt quite a lot. They don't have a problem doing that. Uh, and, but they need to promote Laurent Duvernay-Tardif or Dr. duvernay or Dr. LDT. I mean, I'm not exactly sure what, he, what he's going to go by. But uh, the NFL needs to promote these kinds of things out there. And, and maybe not necessarily the player themselves, but what they're doing Outside of football, I know Larry Fitzgerald, there's a story out there about how he, he was not only playing in the NFL, but also being an active active student trying to uh, get his degree, uh, his college degree, while playing in the NFL. The NFL doesn't push a lot of these stories out there, and they should. Now listen, I understand this, and people don't like what I'm about to say, but everyone has to agree that this is the truth. I, I, I don't think there's any debate about this. At the end of the day, negative stories always trump positive stories. That's just the truth. So if there's... I, I'm, and I'm just using this as an example. 
if Tom Brady gets arrested for a DUI, let's just say, he gets arrested, he's charged, that story gets a hundred times more clicks than Laurent Duvernay-Tardif graduating and becoming a doctor. And I again, I understand why. I mean, LDT, he's an underrated offensive lineman who was drafted in the sixth round a couple of years ago, whereas Tom Brady is a five-time Super Bowl champion and maybe one of the best players ever to play the game. Uh, I mean, that debate for another time, but you get the idea. And again, it's not up to the NFL what exactly gets clicks and what doesn't. However, they can promote these kinds of things a little bit more. My point is, you get you guys know what I'm trying to say. These negative stories with players getting arrested, the protesting that takes place, those always get a lot of attention. It's easy for negative stories to get picked up. The media talks about it and their viewers, their readers, they do want to react to it. Especially now on social media where you can comment on pages or respond to stories on Twitter. Everyone wants to have something to say. Uh, when I, I mean, look, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you guys an example. I wrote about the national anthem protest and the rule change uh, a couple of weeks ago, and a lot of people commented on it. Marcus Peters tossing a penalty flag into the sands. Everybody had had something to say. But when I posted the story of LDT graduating, there were only a couple of comments on this, and it didn't get as much reaction as the Marcus Peters story did or or anything else out there. So I'm not exactly sure what the NFL can do. I don't think we can ever change anything to where positive stories will dominate headlines more than negative stories. I I just don't think that's ever possible uh, because at the end of the day, the news, you generally hear bad things in the news. You don't hear a lot of positive stories out there, unfortunately. Uh, But again, I think the NFL can do something to promote these kinds of stories out more so than than the negative moments, uh, which there are a lot of them in the NFL. So hopefully the NFL can promote this kind of stuff more because they need to be able to do that. In a world today where, again, like I said, these bad stories always seem to be a bigger attraction for readers, it doesn't hurt to push something like this out there and, you know, put LDT on some of the promotional posters for the NFL. Again, I know offensive linemen generally don't get that, especially a guy like LDT who's not uh, a pro bowler at least or not an elite guard uh, in the NFL. But at the end of the day, it'll promote something positive. You know, I mean, look at the whole Tyree Kill thing. Uh, The NFL changed their Twitter banner to a picture of Tyree Kill high-fiving D'Anthony Thomas on a kick return touchdown a couple of years ago against the Denver Broncos, and everybody lost their minds about it because, oh boy, how could you let uh, a guy like Tyree Kill, who did something so horrible in the past, uh, be on that uh, Twitter header? So, uh, again, just a simple change like that. It was just a cool moment. Uh, Dante Hall had done it a couple of times. Just a cool moment that happened in a game. And NFL fans lost their minds over it. So I don't know what the NFL can do to uh, promote this a little bit more. Maybe just have it on their front page a little bit longer. Uh, Maybe have multiple stories about this. Not exactly sure. Uh, There are people out there who are responsible for that. And I'm sure they can find uh, some, some sort of a way to make that happen. 
Let me know your thoughts on that. Facebook.com slash Farzvisugi and Twitter.com slash Farzine21. And again, my email, Farzine at Farzinevisugian.com. Joining us right now on the Chief Zone podcast, we tried to connect with him. Uh, I believe it was around the bye week or sometime during the season, but he had something come up. Uh, so we had to push that off uh, for a little bit. Uh, been trying to get him back on the podcast for quite some time. Uh, and we're, we're able to find a time, so we're doing it uh, in the summer during the off season. And I think it's a good time to kind of talk about this with the with the offseason now kind of in full force, OTAs taking place, not a whole lot of Chiefs needs going on. So a good time to talk to this gentleman and get his thoughts on the Chiefs, catch up with him, see what he's doing, and kind of look back at some of the things that he did that may have made an impact on the franchise. And here to talk to us right now, Marty McDonald, the founder of Save Our Chiefs and runs the Chiefs Kingdom Facebook page. Marty, welcome into the podcast. How are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on. And, uh, you know, I'm more of an off-season guy than an in-season guy, apparently, so uh, happy to be here today. <laughs> no, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, there's a lot I really want to get into. Uh, obviously, you ran a, a pretty big Facebook, pa- uh, Facebook page, and you guys also created a Twitter account for this. You got a website going, and it really caught wind. Now, I want to get into all of that uh, in just a moment, but I know you keep in touch with a lot of Chiefs fans. You still voice your opinion on the team right now. I'm, I'm curious, uh, what have you been up to uh, over the past few years? I see you're doing a lot of coaching, and you share a lot of the coaching experiences that you do with uh, with kids. Is that correct? Yeah, so you know, both of my uh, kids are, are a little bit older, so I don't have uh, as much time to uh, to spend on Chiefs news as I would like to. Uh, both of them are highly active in softball and baseball, and and I coach a uh, club team out in Arizona that uh, seems to be playing every other weekend nowadays. Uh, pretty busy schedule with that. Just in, enjoying the life that comes with that and being at the tournament, uh, you know, in the field with the parents, the boys themselves. And also watching my my daughter advance in softball and uh, beginning to start her uh, club journey here this fall. So, what got you into wanting to coach uh, kids sports? Was it because of your own kids, or was this something that you had wanted to do for a long time? I used to be a college baseball athlete, and when that day came, that uh, college baseball and my abilities uh, weren't in sync. I Still loved the game, wanted to stay involved, so I went back to coaching my alma mater high school uh, for a couple of years and really enjoyed myself. Uh, the first time I actually ever started coaching was still as a senior in high school, and I would help uh, as an assistant uh, with our summer freshman team. And so uh, from there, just stayed active with the sport, um, worked in some different parks and rec programs, volunteered some time there, and then obviously tried to you know, finish up college and get my professional life and career underway. And so I came back to the sport a few years ago and uh, just enjoy giving back. And, you know, I see good things and I see bad things every weekend I'm out of park. And uh, it's definitely been interesting experience, to say the least. Now, you mentioned college baseball. Uh, where did you play college baseball? Um, so I originally signed uh, with a school in Ohio, it was a Division two school called Ashland University, and then I ended my career at Central Arizona, which was a JUCO out here. Um, the head coach at the time was a gentleman named Clint Myers, who um, was a standout player at Arizona State. He actually 
uh, left baseball and became the softball coach at Arizona State before moving on to Auburn, uh, where he just recently retired within the last couple of years. So um, wanted to get experience playing under Coach Myers and learn some things from him to help me be a better coach. The reason I asked that, um, yeah, because my next question, and of course, I want to get into your your, your Chiefs fandom and what you did. Uh, are you originally from Kansas City, or did you ever live in Kansas City at any point in your life? Yeah, I grew up in Kansas City. Uh, Shawnee would have gone to Shawnee Mission Northwest High School if I had stayed, uh, but I am from the Midwest and frequently try to get back there um, several times a year just for the barbecue and my family that I still have back there and catch either a Royals game or a Chiefs game. Which barbecue joint do you like the most? You know, old school style. I'm still a Bryant and Gates guy at heart, but man, I love Q39. Um, it is a must stop for me every time I'm in Kansas City. Um, and it's become like the first stop for me every time I'm in Kansas City. So really enjoy the food over there. Um, but I still give my old haunts patronage and uh, get my fill of barbecues from a few different places. Yeah, certainly can never go wrong uh, anywhere in Kansas City. Um, And again, the reason I was asking where you were from and all, um, because when I first heard about you and what you were doing, uh, I I found out that, that, you know, you're some guy from Arizona. I thought, okay, you know, it's a little odd to hear this kind of a story, A, a Chiefs fan that's doing something big. Uh, to get his voice out there from Arizona. And, of course, uh, you know, I did that exclusive interview with you on Bleacher Report that got a lot of attention on the website there. And you were talked about nationally. People were talking about you and what you did, flying banners around, something that really no sports fan had ever done before. How did this idea all come about? You know, uh, it's, it's a great question. We had a great group of guys with Eric uh, and myself leading the charge and, Frank, Phil, and Travis uh, lend in a big hand in the process and, you know, really just got pissed off over a, a lazy, crappy Sunday afternoon game between the Chiefs and the Chargers. Uh, obviously, the Chiefs lost and um, was hanging out on ChiefsPlanet.com, reading the stuff, and just decided to, to start something on a whim uh, to save our Chiefs on the social media with Twitter and Facebook, and then Eric was doing some uh, some posturing, if you will, on the message board. And I'm like, shoot, let's just do it. And that's how it became uh, a thing. And one thing led to another. And I remember sitting in the office uh, at a former employer of mine. Um, it's a major media company. And we were just watching uh, ESPN.com did a story on us. NFL.com had a story on us. And we were just watching the Facebook page grow exponentially we watched the twitter grow exponentially and you know it was it was the right thing at the right moment in time and it was a lot of fun a lot of work we took a lot of grief and you know why is the guy from arizona leading the the charge and you know really it doesn't matter where anybody was from we're all chiefs fans and i just happened to be the the dork who decided to stand up and say enough is enough and you know put my foot on the gas pedal so what was your reaction i mean certainly you could not have imagined uh, it would grow like this I, i'm sure you had a goal you wanted it to to catch on but 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 i'm sure 
it really just caught you by surprise. What was your reaction when you saw there, a lot of people just basically paying attention to you? Yeah, you know, and it's really kind of an interesting way to look at it. Um, that wasn't the goal. The goal is just to create the awareness. And, you know, I'm not naive enough to know this organization. Um, my history with the organization extends pretty far back to when I lived there. Family were season ticket holders. Um, and then I had media rights from the organization back in the year 2000. Uh, covering the team with a project that I had going on at that time. And and so it was real familiar, and I already had relationships in place. And so when this all went down, you know, some of those longstanding relationships came a benefit um, to give us information. I mean, we knew that Cornell was getting fired. We knew about the Peyton Manning stuff before it hit mainstream, and, um, the, the irony of it is, is no one really wanted to give us the recognition that we rightfully deserved, but yet they were hooked on the site, hooked on the movement, couldn't leave it. It's kind of like a, a bad car wreck. You just couldn't stop staring at it. Um, and it was just, it was a lot of fun, um, quite frankly, and the things that we did and people we met, we've met some great people over the years, some relationships that frankly have transcended the movement and you know have become good facebook friends and good friends in real life and people i see now when every time i go back to kansas city and, and meet with and so uh it's just been a, a ton of fun it was a great thing it was unique and i don't regret one iota uh what we did uh i don't regret any of the negative beef that we caught from certain folks who just didn't have the mental capacity to understand what we were doing um, but it was a ton of fun, and I think it changed things in Kansas City on the sports scene. I don't think it was the change agent, change agent, I should say, but it definitely there was an influence, and I heard from several within the organization that the movement was dismissed at the onset, but because of the popularity, because of the constant pressure that we put, when you got, um, I believe it was CBS and Marv Albert and Rich Gannon were talking about the movement during the Chiefs-Bengals blackout game. Yeah. The organization at that point couldn't choose to ignore it any longer. It's, that was a really weird season. I, I mean, yeah, there was a lot of bad gameplay on, on the gridiron and all, uh, but you know, there was that whole incident with you flying the banners over the stadium uh, and, and I think there was uh, some strange incident where I think a Chiefs fan, uh, they lashed out on the Chiefs on Twitter at tagging the franchise. And I guess the Chiefs responded to them with a DM on Twitter saying, you need to be a real fan. Stop criticizing us. And I'm sure you got, you mentioned you got, you caught a lot of grief from a lot of fans who, because there are a lot of sports fans out there. They support the team no matter what, win, lose, draw, you know, they'll still root them on. You know, essentially they don't want to have opinions. They just want to be supportive. Uh, what, what was your reaction? What would you say to people who told you, you know, go be a fan of another team or, or, or stop doing what you're doing? Yeah, it's a great question. So the guy you're talking about uh, was Travis Wright, and he was one of the uh, folks who joined the movement and used his uh, interactions with the Chiefs um, to help foster our go-forward attack. 
um, as well as some of the things that Travis does today professionally. I mean, we are both in the digital marketing space. Um, we both know how to leverage social media um, to a benefit. But, you know, the message I guess I would have for folks is it's simple. We did what we did because we are fans. And it is okay to have a contrarian view and still support a franchise and want something better. That is okay. And I think some people are just of the old ilk that, hey, through thick or through thin, we're going to stand behind our team. Well, we did that. But we also went the extra mile. We took money out of our pocket to show how much we cared about the team and put our own skin in the game to create the voice. You know, whether it was money or whether it was the other currency known as time, we invested a lot into this effort. And I think that's the cool fandom that's out there. We didn't do anything silly. Um, you know, the Cantioli food drive was about the silliest thing that we were going to pull off. And we had so many food banks lined up in the greater Kansas City area to be benefactors of the canned food drive. And then you had the unfortunate incident a day before with the Jovan Belcher suicide. So we had to scrap that at the last minute, which was a logistical challenge from Arizona put it together and then turn it off at the last minute, but everybody understood. But, you know, people tend to judge and hate things they don't fully understand. And once people really understood and engaged in dialogue with us, they, they got it. They understood our why. And I think they might not have fully have supported us, but they ultimately respected what we did. Marty McDonald, the founder of Save Our Chiefs here on the Chiefs Zone podcast. Okay, so here's what I want to know. Uh, who exactly was flying those uh, those planes? Was it was was it you and Eric, or did you guys have someone else along with you guys who who were up in the in the sky doing all that? No, we we hired a uh, a sky pilot, and he gave us a discount on uh, his services because he claimed that we were doing God's work. <laughs> Interesting. So that's really it. That's the story behind that. That's it. I think it was Scott Pioli. He did an exclusive interview with Eight Ten and Six Ten. Yeah, he did a couple separate interviews there. And I believe it was Jay Binkley of Six Ten who had spoke to him, and and the conversation about those banners came up and. He only said something to the effect of how, you know, he, he took that personally because he has a daughter and, and she sees those things. His family sees those things. Um, you, you know, I, I can un- understand where he's coming from. But at the same time, when you're a public figure and you have a big job like that, you're making a lot of money. I think you have to understand that you could be uh, you, you can be criticized uh, for poor performance. Did you regret any of what you did uh, or, or would you have changed anything that you would have done? No, we, we we never attacked Pioli at a personal level or a family level, um, and we certainly kept his family out of everything that we did. We stuck to the facts. That's what drove a lot of people nuts is that we stuck to the facts. Uh, Clay Wendler uh, out there was a big part of this whole process, and I forgot to mention his name earlier early on, but, you know, the one thing that, that Clay always said is keep it factual and keep the emotion out of the debate and out of the rhetoric that we were creating. Now we had fun with memes and all that fun stuff, but 
you know, what a lot of people have to understand is when you cross over from private to public, you give up a lot in your life. You give up a lot of your um, ability to go to the grocery store uh, and be left alone. You give up your ability to sit down and eat a cheeseburger at a Wendy's uh, or, in your case, uh, uh, Five Guys. Uh, <laughs> well played, well played. Without disruption. And so you are subject to criticism. You are subject to the negative side. And, you know, much like a debate that's happening right now on my personal Facebook page between Roseanne Barr's racist comments and Keith Oberman's hate speech filled comments, you can't have one without accepting the other, meaning you cannot have one side of fame and fortune and public awareness and not have the other side where you are criticized openly. Um, and I know there are some uh, fanatics as part of, you know, fans of Save Our Chiefs that did make some of this stuff personal with Pioli and their Facebook posts and tweets. And we would try to delete and farm it as much as we could. Um, but as a, as a group, we were never interested in going down that road. I, I want to rewind for a bit because you talked about how the Chiefs were trying to squash all this and it got to the point where it was impossible to ignore. Uh, I, I, I do remember that game specifically, the blackout arrowhead where the announcers talked about it on the air. Uh, did the Chiefs directly contact you, uh, or, or, or did they reach out just to the Facebook page? Did they? And I, I can't recall if they made a statement about any of this. How much of that can you share if you were contacted by anybody from the organization? Well, uh, our my partner that day, uh, Eric, uh, was actually detained by stadium security. Um, we had uh, eight and a half by eleven white sheets of paper that simply said "Fire Pioli." On the front and on the back side, it stated all the factual performance-based issues with the Pioli regime. And they were detained by uh, Arrowhead Security. And when Eric let me know that, uh, we immediately tweeted things out. Uh, Jason Whitlock at the time jumped on the story. Um, and then Eric was ultimately let go by team personnel. Um there's other people inside the organization and there's a couple that are still there today in different uh, areas where, you know, they openly said that, you know, it, it shook the root of the organization that the hunts typically ignore this stuff, but it got their attention when they saw that many people dressed in black at Arrowhead. And that was the whole goal of the blackout. It wasn't to, you know, turn Arrowhead into Oakland Midwest and all this other malarkey that I heard, it was solely designed to create a visual message because while we had the planes flying, you only saw those on local news. You never saw them on the national level. But with the blackout, it could not be ignored at the national level. It was discussed. And when you have CBS, openly talking about it that's a big deal because that stuff is typically never discussed by the in-game broadcast crew i mean you'll have a streaker run across the field at a sporting event and very rarely will the broadcast network film or show the streaker and, and blur out the things that need to be blurred out they 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 refuse to 
acknowledge it. And in this case, you had CBS acknowledge it during an in-game broadcast on an NFL property. And so that, to me, was the tipping point timeline-wise. That was at the also the time when uh, Clark started reaching out through back channel um, to make the changes at the GM level as well as the coaching level um, that happened at the end of the season. So that was actually going to be my next question. I, I guess we kind of answered it, and I wanted to ask you if you can give me your honest answer on this. My question is, do you feel like you made an impact and your movement really did cause change? Because I think you did. If you remember, what was it, 2009? And I don't know if this was you or, or who who was it, but somebody started a petition to... Uh, basically asked the Chiefs to release Larry Johnson because he was getting in a lot of trouble and they did not want him at the time to pass Priest Holmes for the all-time rushing leader in franchise history. Uh, I mean, next thing you know, he ended up being let go. Chiefs fans really do seem like they've had a voice in a lot of situations, and I think you really did play a big role in really what's happening now, uh, making those changes. And uh, look, I know we can criticize Andy Reid, but he's got the best uh, winning percentage among any coach in franchise history. Yeah, you, you know, uh, the, the stuff with, with Larry was not us, wasn't me, uh, wasn't anyone affiliated with the Save Our Chiefs movement. Um, so I can't speak to that. Um, but I can tell you that I think we we were one of many factors uh, of the influence ecosystem in the decision. Um, obviously, the crappy records, uh, the poor play of the quarterback at the time, um, the lack of vision from the coach and the micromanagement of the general manager, you know, those were all ingredients in what was really just a, a, a crappy meal uh, that the Hunt family finally realized they couldn't keep shoving down the throats of Chiefs fans. Did you see, obviously the following season, the Chiefs, they went from being the worst team in the NFL to getting off to a 9-0 start, and that was one of the more popular stories uh, that was talked about in the NFL in 2013. Did you ever see Sean Keeler's column on FoxSports.com at the time where he mentioned your name? I I don't fully remember it. Um... So basically what he did... He gave, he basically, uh, the headline says, take a bow, Chiefs fans, you're the most powerful fans in North American sports. And he basically congratulated a lot of Chiefs fans, including you. There was also a Chiefs fan named Sam Lichtig. I don't know if this, if you recall this, but there was a Chiefs fan who had passed away at the age of 81, and the family decided to actually have fun with it in the obituary. They said something to the effect of how, he died because of constant heartbreak and disappointment caused by the Kansas City Chiefs. And basically, Sean Keeler was congratulating Chiefs fans and some notable Chiefs fans, including one yourself. Uh, did you ever see that? You know, I, I might have. I just, it's not uh, jumping out at me right now. Okay. Um, but I do remember the gentleman who passed away uh, and his uh, obituary was quite comical. I thought it was pretty cool um, that your name was on there because, uh, like I said, I really do think you've made a, a big impact in what you've done. I really do appreciate that. As someone who's always been a realist, I mean, look, I, I love the team. I, I'll probably be biased here and there, and, you know, on Sundays I'll predict that them to win at times. But, you know, I, I'm a lot like you, uh, and I think a lot of fans uh, feel that way as well, where, 
yeah, sure, they want the team to win, but they also look at it from a realistic standpoint. And if they feel like change is needed, they'll root for that uh, when uh, when that time comes. I, I, I do want to ask you, what are your thoughts with everything going on with the team right now? Like, I know I alluded earlier, Andy Reid, his postseason record, uh, not the greatest. Those last two playoff games have not been very good, but... Uh, I mean, the Chiefs do have the fifth best record since Andy Reid's gotten here. I mean, that's got to count for something, and hopefully that translates to something down the road. I, I'm curious, what are your thoughts seeing this Chiefs team now? You know, I'm excited. Um, you know, I'm frustrated. <laughs> not, yeah. to, not to the point to start another movement, but, you know, look, Alex Smith gave us everything he possibly could give us uh, as an organization over the last several years. We just couldn't get over the proverbial hump, right? And you know, it's like the same message I preach to my baseball boys. You start fast, you finish faster, and that's it. And the the Chiefs last year at times embraced that and at times didn't. And that's the tough part about being an, an athlete com- competing at the highest level, right? It's easy for, for all of us with podcasts and direct TV access and Internet access to sit here and say that. Um, it's tough when you're competing between the, the sidelines um we're inside of the sidelines and and we lose fo- we lose that aspect of it as, as fans and so i sat in arrowhead for the titans playoff loss sat in new england for that playoff loss and i sat in indianapolis for that playoff loss so i'm done going to uh, playoff games just for uh everybody's uh benefit and my own personal sanity but in each of those, it's because we simply didn't learn how to close something out. Um, and in the Patriots case, you know, we uh, we just kind of got hot a little too little too late there, and we decided not to guard Gronkowski early in the game and uh, give up too much stuff underneath. But I digress. It, uh, but I'm excited, you know, for Pat Mahomes, you know. Look, we've not had a young, energetic quarterback that has just created the energy that he's created. Um, you know, Todd Blackledge certainly didn't do it back in the early 80s, and, and Mark Vlasic was never going to be that guy. And, um, you know, the kid from Stanford, I actually was intrigued by that selection, but he didn't really pan out. And Tyler Bray has been nothing but just, you know, uh, a myth, uh, if, if anything. And so... I'm excited for uh, what we're going to see out of Mahomes. Do I expect some mistakes? Of course. Uh, I expect him to throw some interceptions. But in the end, the good will outweigh the bad, and that's what you want to see with a kid like Mahomes. Um, you can't ignore what he did in college. I remember sitting in uh, Sun Devil Stadium when uh, Texas Tech and ASU played, and Kalen Balaj had his eight rushing touchdowns. But I was just – enamored with what Mahomes is doing on the field and saw that, you know, the Chiefs had scouting representation there at that game. Um, so I knew they were interested in him because there certainly wasn't anyone on the Arizona State side uh, worthy of being drafted at that time. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And I think the offense with Kelsey, Watkins, uh, some of the other receivers that we have in place, you've got Kareem Hunt. Uh, I think the line's going to be a little bit better, a little bit stronger this year. Um, we've got some really strong dynamic options. Uh, and 
everyone wants to rag on the defense. I think it's going to be a little bit better than what people think. Um, it's not like Farmer Bob has much more time on the sidelines as a coordinator, so I'm sure his desire to go out on top um, is going to be pretty strong. And I think Reed is tired of some of the, you know, criticisms that he's received and this is his last uh, run with a young dynamic quarterback so he wants to make it memorable yeah certainly and I and I do agree with you on the defense I've been seeing that too I, I think they're very coming back I know Marcus Peters I mean that was a, a, a shock to a lot of us but I really do like Kendall uh, uh, Fuller and David Amerson I think those are two underrated quarterbacks and those guys are going to do big things for Kansas City and hopefully Justin Houston we'll see what Breland speaks but I think this defense is going to be better for sure in uh, 2018 compared to that big step back they had in 2017 uh, Marty before I let you go uh, I know you guys changed save our chiefs to the chiefs kingdom uh, so uh, before I let you go go ahead and plug your Facebook and Twitter pages because I know you're still interacting with fans how can fans connect with you on social media yeah uh, just hit us at Twitter at uh you know, one underscore Chiefs Kingdom. We're over there. And then uh, we're on the Chiefs Kingdom on Facebook. And, um, you know, there's a few Facebook pages out there with the name Chiefs Kingdom um, in it. Uh, however, there's only one that has the following size that we do. So, in this case, size does matter um, on the Facebook page. So, you know that you're finding the right one. Um we would love to have you on the on the page. We've been a little dormant here over the last few months with some random posts here and there, but as training camp fires up, we'll be back in active uh, mode again on that. But uh, just, you know, we've got 28,000 likes on that page and 27,000 people follow the page uh, itself. So if you haven't gone over there, please do so. Um, and it is uh, the Chiefs Kingdom um, on Facebook. He's Marty McDonald, the founder of Save Our Chiefs and also runs the Chiefs Kingdom fan page on Facebook and Twitter. Marty, again, I really do appreciate what you did because I, I think that does take a lot of commitment and really just, just a lot to, to go out and do. And uh, you took a lot of grief for it and uh, you obviously had a lot of thick skin through all of this. And uh, I, I really do think you made a big impact, as I mentioned earlier. So I really do appreciate everything you did. And uh, I do appreciate you coming on the podcast. Uh, hopefully, we can have you on back again one day. Yeah, no, uh, let's let's make a date to uh, do something in season and uh, see how the uh, other boys in red are doing after the first quarter of the year. Yeah, we'll definitely do that. Hey, Marty, thank you so much for your time. And uh, as I said, we'll uh, keep in touch. Sounds good, sir. Thank you. All right, thanks, Marty. Take care. You too. Bye bye. All right, there you have it, Marty McDonald here on the Chiefs Zone Podcast. A great conversation with him. One of the more fun conversations that uh, I've enjoyed having with any guest on uh, the podcast recently, or or just any time in general. Uh, We got into a lot of things there. Uh, A lot of things that I did not know about and I've always wanted to know about for a while in terms of how we did all of this. Because, uh, you know, every every time I watch a Chiefs game, the past few years I always think about what Marty had done um because I, I do think it, it it played a big factor in, in some of the decisions that that were made after the 2012 season and I think uh Marty does have a big spot in Chiefs history uh maybe not directly within the franchise but uh you know he's probably the most vocal Chiefs fan ever 
to do what he did. And again, it was not very easy. So I, I commend everything he did. I, and I'm sure it took a lot of courage because he knew that uh, a lot of fans were going to speak out against him, criticize him. Uh, but man, uh, he he did a lot of great things there. And I really do appreciate uh, what Marty did just as a fan and, and, and more so as a, as a realist. Uh, you guys are more of a realistic fan. Yeah, sure. We all have our bias that takes over at times, but... Uh, I, I I truly do mean it when I feel like I, I don't think there would have been uh, the changes that, that took place had it not been for the movement that he created and really pushed for that year in 2012. If you guys have any thoughts on that interview or anything that we've discussed on here, let me know. Facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian, Twitter.com slash Farzine 21, and my email Farzine at Vesugian. I know I'm probably going to get some questions about this, what the Five Guys Burgers comment was about. Uh, uh, Marty and I are Facebook friends, and I know some of you guys uh, who listen to the podcast, you, you guys are also Facebook friends with me uh, on my personal page. Uh, which, which, look, I don't mind if, if listeners add me as a friend. I'm, I'm cool with that. I will say if your profile picture is a little creepy, I guess, for lack of a better term, I'm probably going to reject it so have somewhat of a decent facebook picture because i did have someone who had a really weird uh picture add me and then uh, i rejected it and he, he sent me a message saying hey man i listen to your podcast why'd you reject me and i said oh okay i didn't know so i added him but i didn't really give him the reason why uh but anyway uh back to what marty was saying with the five guys burgers comment i uh used to eat a lot of five guys burgers and uh, a lot of times I would call ahead and uh, place my order over the phone so that way they can make it ready. That's one of the uh, and you're seeing a lot of fast food restaurants have this option now, or you can at least do it through the app in some way, or you can call in. And they would always ask for my name, and they 99% of the time would misspell it. Uh, I once got a Farvin, F A R V I N, except instead of an I, it was an exclamation point, which. I thought it was very interesting. I, I, I never saw that before. One time I, I, I spelled my name and I said N as in Nancy. And, and for those wondering, on the receipt that they give you, uh, it has the name that they type out. Uh, but anyway, I once told them, uh, I spelled my name out and I said N as in Nancy. And when I went to pick it up, the name on the order was Nancy. So when I went there, I said, hi, I, I'm here for my order. And they asked for the name. I said Farzine. And they were scrambling for trying to figure out where this order was with the name Farzine on it. And they asked what I ordered, and I told them what the order was. And they said, oh, uh, sir, this name is under Nancy. And I chuckled because I immediately knew why, because I told them Anna's and Nancy. So uh, I have a myriad of photos that I've taken uh, and uploaded on my Facebook of five guys uh, receipts in, in the amount of times that they have misspelled my name. Uh, I've had so many crazy misspellings. Actually, I, like uh, one day I just built it really quickly a collage. You can do this on your phone now with with Instagram or other uh, photo apps. You can just create collages real quickly. And I, I have a collage with uh, sixteen square shaped photos of just those misspells, different misspells that they have done over the years. Once they uh, misspelled it with my brother's name, who's one letter apart from me, so. Uh, imagine that, uh, how that all happened. But anyway, for those who probably were going to ask, that's where the Five Guys comment, the Five Guys Burgers comment came from. So, well played by Marty 
on that one there. But a big thanks to Marty McDonald for joining me on the podcast. Been wanting to get him on for quite some time. And we'll definitely bring him back on again uh, later on uh, during the season. So I'll definitely hold him to that and uh, bring him back. We'd love to talk to him on this podcast once again. If you guys want to interact with him, you guys know the social media. He plugged it on there. Go interact with him on Facebook and or Twitter. Uh, he's got a great following there. Uh, does a great job interacting with fans. So definitely be part of that if you would like to. If you guys enjoyed this episode, share it. Hit the share button on iTunes and on Google Play. If you haven't, subscribed to the podcast. Let your friends know about it. You guys can also interact with me on Facebook, facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian. Like and follow me on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter at Farzine21 and my email, Farzine at FarzineVesugian.com. A big thanks to all of you guys for downloading and listening to this episode of the Chiefstone Podcast. Again, subscribe if you haven't. Spread the word. Let your friends know about it. I will talk to you guys next Tuesday. Take care.